Hello and welcome to another episode of Northside Now. This is the podcast where we take you on a tour through all of the ministries and the latest happenings around Northside Church to keep you better connected with your church family. My name is Patrick, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Glenn Miller and Kevin Bryant. Hello. Hey, everybody. What's up? Hope everyone's well. Yeah. Welcome back to school. That doesn't mean as much to me now as it used to. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing it means to me is that hopefully within the next hundred days, we'll have cool weather. Yeah. <laughs> or cooler weather. hundred days. Weather. When does that take us? That's what, three months? It's from past now? Christmas, I think. <laughs> hey, it will be 80 degrees in December. I'm calling it now. <laughs> well, you know, last year we had the big freeze right around we Christmas. Did. So yeah. We did. There's hope. I it's really funny you mentioned that. I was talking about that like two days ago with somebody. How? Christmas Eve was pretty horrible. Yeah. Because <laughs> people were complaining online they couldn't make their brownies and their special candies because yeah. of the rolling brownouts. It was a good day for plumbers. You'd think yes. so. the worst day ever for plumbers. Yeah. 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 Wow. That seems like a million years ago, but yet it wasn't. <laughs> it does. So, it, does. it won't be long before uh, Christmas will be here soon. I I'm guess. dreaming of why. Christmas, Christmas time is here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, Kevin uh, Patrick has told me that he has been to see the Barbie movie. I have. So have you seen the Barbie movie? I have not. I have not put my billion. I have not put my money towards the billion dollars. <laughs> we need to all contribute. <laughs> and ever and I, I don't know if I have anything pink to wear. I think you got to dress up, don't you? I did not wear pink, and I think I was the only person in the entire theater not wearing. Were pink. you the only male in the entire theater? No. What? Very, I mean, I mean, it was a good. I've heard. I mean, yeah. It was, this is like a dress a up mix, movie. Yeah. I've I mean, heard this. Yeah. Was, I, yeah. I'm, I'm dying to take Barbie to see Barbie. I, I've been wanting to do that, but she's not, she's not interested. She might get people coming up getting her autograph. Well, you know, she's, she's never out. liked that whole bar. You know, it's always yeah. been, she's had to deal with that her whole life. So she's really not that. I bet we'll see it at some point, but yeah. I don't know if it'll be at the movies. But it's obvious people are going back to the movies. Yeah. And it, it is definitely a nostalgia movie mm. for people that grew up with Barbie. It's not as much of a kids movies i was expecting it to yeah, it deals with some that. pretty uh adult adult well thoughts there, and there is and some there concepts. is some innuendo and stuff as far as like that kind of adult content but it's more like dealing with like what it means to be alive and <laughs> some really yeah. kind of like heady uh, uh concepts that i think are going to go over a lot of kids heads you yeah. know I have heard that it's not necessarily one to take the kids. I've heard it's funny. There's some funny parts to it yeah. and stuff. You know, I've never been the biggest Barbie fan, but, but <laughs> it was enjoyable. All right. But you are a collector. So yes. let's, let's see. I'm about to mess up. Okay, Kevin. So just Thanks write for this turning up. toward me. As just, you, just, he's giving you the heads up that you might this, have to edit this out. Put okay. this on paper yeah. that Glenn messed up on this date. Okay. It is, uh, we're three minutes and 31 seconds into the podcast. Okay. All right. So Patrick... It. Is Barbie an action figure? Wow. We stumped him. <laughs> I'm we thinking, stumped him. I, it's coming. Get ready. It's coming. He, yeah. kn- he knows. <laughs> yes. He knows. He, can, he knows. He knows well, the right answer, he but he doesn't want to say it. <laughs> because they're the same thing. <laughs> they, what? Action figures and dolls are essentially the same thing. They just called them action figures so that boys would buy them because oh, they were all called uh, dolls originally. But is Barbie an action figure? 
Yeah. Do I you, mean, technically. Do you collect Barbies? No. no then you're not an action figure not collector. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be an action figure collector does not mean you have to collect every action figure. Oh. <laughs> well, my G.I. Joes when I was a kid were Barbie sized. Oh, you yeah, know, the big ones. Yeah, the yeah. big ones for, you know, till I got a little bit older. But the big ones were real popular in the 60s mm-hmm. and early 70s. And I had yeah. a couple of, I had to do the judo chop and the beard. Mm. And, um, I can't remember their names. And that's when the term action figure started was because they were trying to market them towards boys, but boys were like, we don't want to play with dolls. And so they called them action figures, Mm -hmm, which sounded a lot cooler. Mm -hmm. But it's essentially the same thing. I don't know that we ever had the name brand. We always had the knockoff dolls. But interesting phenomena. Yeah. So Barbie's making it big. You know, congratulations to Barbie and Oppenheimer and Sound of Freedom and Indiana Jones and all the rest of you that are really kicking it in the movie world right now. Way to go, movie movie, people. Movies at the movie theater are back. Well, we have a special guest in the podcast room today, and he is... um, our interim pastor, yeah, uh, preaching pastor Brian Lee, and he was around uh, some GI Joes, yeah, and we're going to learn about that a little bit. But yeah, I, I'd never really thought about the unique challenges of uh, church serving in a church on a military base, but he's going to talk about that, and it's it's really interesting. Yeah, and we're going to learn that he's not from Mississippi, which is what <laughs> I thought. So <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, let's uh, get quiet and uh, bring old Brian into the podcast room. We're here today with uh, Brian Lee. Welcome, Brian. Good. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. uh, Brian was making a comment about the podcast room there, uh, Patrick. (laughs) He had a really uh, descriptive word for us. Yeah. Yeah. Institutional. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was fitting. Well, I clarified it by saying it was at least not institutional green. (laughs) And there's far too many corners in here to be institutional. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Too many sharp edges. That's right. (laughs) So Brian is serving as our um, teaching pastor and preaching pastor interim right now. Yes. And retired from being a pastor in the the Baptist tradition. Correct. Correct. And so we are very thankful that you are helping us out. Well, so thank it's you. been my honor to be able to do it. It really has been. So And so he's finally getting around the facility and has drifted into the podcast room. Yeah, this is the first time I've been back in this area. I didn't know it was back here. <laughs> There's an upstairs, too. Oh, that's cool. the That's the way we like it. Keep lot, it you know, yeah, a lot of people don't know that any of this over <laughs> exists. There's so. church members wandering around for years we haven't yeah, found. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you bump into someone, they may have just been here for a while. <laughs> he'd he'd rescue. It's like the labyrinth. They just get lost in here that's right yeah that's right our whole facility is a prayer labyrinth (laughs) well i know you've introduced yourself to so many people and you taught sunday school beforehand as you know a member of the church and and all that however there's probably a lot of folks who maybe have not heard your story or know kind of your background so tell us a little bit how did you get started in ministry and what did your ministry look like uh, for all those years okay well let me just actually back up a little bit before that i was um uh, born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, okay. uh, as an only child to uh, Christian parents, came to faith as an eight-year-old, but uh, just sort of drifted. Mm. You know, I went to church on Sunday morning, kind of glad when it was over, get mm. back to life, and it stayed that way pretty much until uh, early high school, mm-hmm. and I went through what I would call a renewal experience, started taking my faith more seriously. My parents still went to church on Sunday mornings, Mm -hmm. 
but I would drive myself to church on uh, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and all kinds of other things. And the, uh, the big moment came when our phone rang one night, and it was our pastor. Uh-huh. Well, our pastor never called our house for anything, <laughs> especially not for me. Mm. But this phone call was for me. Oh, wow. And uh, after a few pleasantries, he asked if I would be willing to serve as the youth pastor during youth week. Oh, wow. Well, I'd always been really safe about that. I was uh, usher uh, in the balcony Mm. (laughs) (laughs) where I could sort of hide and stay in the background. But, uh, you know, he asked me, my parents, I guess, had always taught me to go along with what adults told you all to do. And Especially so the I, pastor, right? Yeah, well, exactly. That's right. So I said yes. And that led to me preaching my first sermon as a 17-year-old. Oh, wow. And um, it went amazingly well. So much so that it started the wheels rolling in my mind uh-huh. about all of it. And that summer, prior to my senior year, I had a job where I was isolated eight hours a day by myself doing what it was I was doing, Mm -hmm. which gave me a lot of time to think about this. And my problem was that all the testimonies I'd ever heard about people being called into the ministry were things like, well, I didn't want to do it, but God broke my arm and made me get, surrender to the ministry. You know, that's how it's usually phrased. Surrender. <laughs> my problem was I wanted to do it, yeah. and I thought it was maybe not right. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up telling God that uh, if he didn't want me in it, he was going to have to stop me because I, <laughs> I felt like that's what I wanted to do. And by the time I told uh, church leaders, they were, well, we've been waiting on you. Oh, wow. They saw it, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, went to college, began to prepare, and met my wife, Clella, at Belmont, mm-hmm. what was then in college in Nashville. Okay. And as a junior in college, I had my first uh, opportunity to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. So at 21 years old, I became pastor of a small church in the Mount Juliet area. Okay. Which was wonderful. Gave me a chance to cut my teeth and figure it out and... Finished college there, finished seminary uh, there, and uh-huh. so that's that's how I got started in all this. So does Belmont still have a seminary? Well, no. Uh, Belmont was the college. I went to seminary at Southern okay, Baptist okay, Theological okay. Seminary in Louisville, okay, Kentucky. All right, all yeah. Right, all right. Because I didn't think Belmont had one, and I was thinking, no, oh, okay, no, no. So. It was a re- I had a religion psychology double major. Yeah. See, I'm learning something today because of all these years. I thought you were like grew up in Mississippi for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I'm driven through Mississippi. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah. You're, nobody you're a Tennessee guy. Nobody admits to having grown up in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good. So, what happened then after seminary and you kind of get your start? Did you go to do the typical several churches and then you kind of got to one or did you go and stay somewhere for a long time? Well, uh, after the church in Mount Juliet, which I was there for six years, mm-hmm. we moved to Augusta, Georgia okay, and started pastoring a church that had only been in existence, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. So it was a new church start uh, in a community close to Fort Gordon, which is the training base, uh, one of the training bases for the U.S. Army mm. and Signal Corps. And, uh, boy, you talk about a shift of gears. Uh, (laughs) In the space of about six months, half my congregation transitioned. Oh, yeah. Because of the constant movement of the military. Uh 
and it was also a, a multi-ethnic neighborhood, and that was now a new experience for me. So that was a stretching four years that we spent there, and um, I finished my doctoral program during that time, and then moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina, mm. to pastor a church where Fort Bragg uh, is located. I was going to say another yeah. military town. Yes, <laughs> uh, and shockingly, twenty-five years. Wow, I stayed there. Wow, uh, raised our kids there. A wonderful experience. Again, a lot of different kinds of people from all over the place. Lots of church backgrounds, no backgrounds whatsoever. Mm. So it was a growing time for me as a person and as a pastor. And uh, we are, we're very grateful. My wife eventually uh, came on staff with me. Oh, wow. She served for a while in the area of discipleship mm-hmm. and outreach and Sunday school work and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then toward the end, she transitioned to being the worship leader okay. uh, in our church. And after 25 years, um, you know, you begin to wonder, this is where I'm going to stay until the end or whatever, and just had a growing sense that there was a something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 2013, I ended up in a church in the Birmingham Hoover area. Okay. That was a different kind of church than I'd been used to, not a military church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one more of a church that was uh, similar to what I'd grown up in. Yeah. Um, it gave me a chance to work with a, a larger staff. Not so many things were on my plate all the time, mm-hmm. which was good. Yeah. And uh, probably would have stayed there until about now, but then COVID hit. Uh, you know, and COVID was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stressful, extremely stressful. Yeah. And I ended up kind of determining that um, for my sake, for the church's sake, it was time yeah. to retire. Yeah. And that brought us to Jackson. Cool. Now, when you were in Augusta, did you get to go play golf over there? No, but I did get to go to the Masters Tournament in 1986. Okay. Which happened to be the last time Jack Nicholas won. Oh, wow. Oh, that'd be a good yeah. One. That was that famous Sunday charge he had yeah. to win the thing. And I'm telling you, it's beautiful on television. It is incredible live. You I just can cannot imagine how beautiful it is. Yeah, it looks like it's really cool. Yeah. I, I want to. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. It's a tough ticket to get, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. I figured, you know, the pastors are in the Augusta area. Surely they just have like a pastor's golf uh, day or something. Well, I happen to have a member who, back before it became quite so popular, was mm. on the permanent list. Oh, wow. So he had tickets every year. Yeah. So he gave me a day, and I went. McClellan and I went, and it was, it was pretty cool. Cool. What were the challenges that you faced in all of those army base communities well i mean i know they are transitional and there's a, mm-hmm. but what were some of the other did you feel like there was a few other challenges that you placed there's so many young people and different stuff that you might have run across that maybe you didn't run across in other typical churches well uh, the thing that stands out other than you're kind of pastoring a parade it's constantly <laughs> yeah. changing yeah. the stress of military life mm-hmm. and especially a place like fort bragg where you've got the 82nd Airborne, yeah. you've got Special Forces troops. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with people that uh, post-traumatic stress yeah. issues. Yeah. 
a lot of marital stress when mm-hmm. their spouse is gone and for maybe a deployment for a year or so and then they come back and the spouse that's been home is used to doing it on their own and the reintegration is tough so uh, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of stress on military families and we experience dealing with that quite frequently yeah yeah i, I know that to be the case and Jackson's not really a military town, but we have those Black Hawk helicopters in the air all the time. (laughs) So it kind of feels like one a lot. Yeah, Uh, we could could hear the howitzers going off at times, and it would rattle the windows, you know. (laughs) Well, that's Fort Bragg. (laughs) Yeah, Fort Bragg's big. I mean, it's, what, 50,000, 60,000 people. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember one Christmas musical. It was in December, and this was before the age of cell phones. So all the guys had... uh, pagers uh yeah and they all went off the same time oh wow because the panama thing was about oh, to happen yeah 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 and so about 50 guys they start leaving the sanctuary leaving the choir and you know kids are crying it was just oh, a, yeah <laughs> it wow. was incredible yeah be a different deal for sure yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> what is that movie navy seals i think that that happens in a the first one with charlie sheen in it that happens at a wedding mm. all those beepers start going off and guys just start leaving and yeah all the women are like what so, yeah yeah so. As a pastor over all these years, what are some of your more favorite things to preach about? You know, a book or the things that are just closer to your heart that you just get mm-hmm. jazzed about getting to get in the pulpit and preach about? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that I could say that there's a single thing. There are times that I've preached through a book, although I tend to do that more in a Bible study setting. Mm-hmm. Short series that deal with things along the lines of spiritual nurture. In fact, this coming one that's coming up here at Northside is called uh, Jesus Shaped People. Okay. And we'll be talking about issues associated with being formed in the image of Christ for five weeks. Oh, wow. I really am looking forward to being able to share that. Can you give us any sneak previews? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, on the 13th, uh, one of the things that toward the end of the sermon, uh, we'll be referring to a passage in Psalm 63 where David talks about thirsting and yearning mm. for God. And that sense of desperation is what often fuels us. Not another promotion, another gadget, another relate. There's nothing else out there. Yeah, that's ultimately going to bring me to the kind of life that I'm needing outside of God and God alone. Yeah, cool. One question I've had: You've been in ministry for a long time, and I imagine you've seen a few changes here oh, and there. Absolutely. How? How do you relate sort of where, I don't know if this is Big C Church, but church as a whole is in our culture. The last several weeks, this last month, you've had some pretty direct commentary on mm-hmm. what the church is yes, and what it should be based on the model that we see in the the early church days and lots of different things. I'd be curious to, if you have any commentary kind of on maybe we as a church, where we're missing it. You've spoken to this a little bit, but church attendance is down. Yes. We have COVID obviously as part of that, but just in general, there seems to be, especially the younger generations, we've had a lot of conversation around generational differences. Right. Z versus X versus millennials and all of those things. 
you've had the benefit of seeing things change. Yes. And what do you think about this time in which we find ourselves? Well, I think the the general tendency for most people is to say, oh my, it's just so terrible and I uh, wish it were like it was back in the day. Right. But let's remember back in the day when we were in a church-based culture or the everything revolved around what was going on in church. Yep. Church life was kind of like hygiene. Mm. You know, you didn't think about it. You just did it. Uh, <laughs> we went to church because you're supposed to go to church. You'd be embarrassed if you didn't go to church. Right. Now, it wasn't necessary that you actually become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You just went to church. Yep. And you checked the box and you're done. Right. I'm not sure that's the good old days. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, as we're beginning to move out of a church-based culture, increasingly so, where not only is it okay not to go to church, and it's kind of like uh, it's better mm. for some people in their minds. It gives the church an opportunity to um, really show what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this world. Mm. And the contrasts ought to be quite stark. Mm. And it's not measured so much in terms of, I don't do all these bad things that you do. Rather is because of the transforming work of God within me, I have access to a life you don't yet have. Mm. I wouldn't say it that way to them, obviously. But it starts to create a, uh, hopefully, an attractiveness where people look at us and go, you got something. Mm -hmm. I don't have what you've got. You've got a a foundation, uh, an inner peace, a purpose. I want that. So this is an opportunity day, not a day to be bemoaning, wishing we could go back. Yeah, I think that's very wise. And that's something that's connected with me in the last few years. And we've said here on this podcast so many times, it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. We've commented many times about how Paul used modern technology (laughs) to spread the message. Technology obviously now is different, but the thought I think should be the same in terms of how do we connect with people? Yes, Attendance is going to look different. The way oh, churches absolutely. are structured looks different. Less building-centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got yeah. huge opportunities, I think, for Northside to, I don't know if refocus is the right word, but keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Meditate on that. How do the next few years look? Well, one of the things that I think is critical to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and told them that he'd become all things to all people so that by all possible means, Mm -hmm. he could change some. And he mentioned that when he was with Jewish people, he did one thing, was with Gentile people, he did another. So if Paul felt comfortable adjusting methodology based on his audience, then we ought to be comfortable with that. Mm. Our problem sometimes is we get stuck in methodologies that once were very effective (laughs) that are not necessarily as effective today. Mm -hmm. But because we're comfortable with them and we're used to them, we think that if we'll, we'll just be more dedicated and try harder, They'll work again. Well, they never worked. Mm. God worked through us in them. Well, the question for us then is, what is God wanting to do now? And what sort of methodological shifts do we need to make now Mm. to do that? Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, how should I put this well, the longer-term congregations that have had a longer history tend to struggle more with that than newer Mm -hmm. congregations. That doesn't mean they can't, but it just takes longer to make the the shifts in their thinking because they're just used to it. It's understandable. 
It is a mindset shift. Yes. To say, well, it used to work that way. Why should we change? Well, to be able to step outside of your current mindset, to see it in a different perspective. I've thought a lot about the hospitality team. and What does it feel like to be a visitor here? Mm-hmm. How many of us have been a visitor in a church lately, the last three years, five years? What does that feel like? And I think if we have a connection with what that feels like, we can make decisions. This yes. is just an example of how we speak the language of a visitor to right. someone. I know of churches that have intentionally gone out and found someone who has no background whatsoever with a church and say, just come to church Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then after it's over, tell us what your experience yeah. was. Man, that could be eye-opening yeah. and painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Ooh, we should do that. <laughs> I, I like this idea. I, I've done that in the past. Over the, you know, I had teenagers that I knew outside of the church completely uh-huh. and had them come visit the youth group Yeah, and then kind of give that same yeah. report, kind of like secret shopper thing. Yeah. And yep. it is eye-opening and it is painful, yeah. but it is useful information not so often. So, yeah, you know, I love exactly what you were saying a while ago because so many young pastors now and young church workers and even church workers that maybe second career, they'd much rather get into a church plant or something startup than go into a long-term church that's been either in a denomination mm-hmm. or have been there for, you know, 60, 70, 150 years, whatever, because they know things are a lot more pliable. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> it just so, takes longer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the the tendency is to want to start with methodology. Mm-hmm. You can't start there. Yeah, you have to start with um, sort. It's a, a heart issue mm. that I, I care more about the kingdom than anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, and then a philosophy shift where I'm not a ministry consumer. I'm a ministry provider. Yeah. Once those two shifts have happened, then you can start talking about methodological shifts. Yeah. But if you start with the methodology without having the other things in place, it just is a disaster. <laughs> yeah. And that's happened a lot, you know, mm-hmm. both on the church's side and on the ministry worker sides. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Some of them get the cart before the and horse. People and people being well on both sides of the sure, equation. Yeah. Sometimes a, a, a person coming into a new ministry setting may just assume. Mm-hmm. that a lot of the willingness is already there. Mm-hmm. It's not even been thought about yet. So yeah. they start making changes and it doesn't go well. Yeah. What are some of the differences, kind of talking just in that same arena, that you've seen from the traditional churches you have served and mm-hmm. then here at Northside? Are they pretty similar feeling or are they just vastly different ways about going doing things? Um, of course, I've always been a Baptist background uh-huh. uh so obviously uh north side is going to have a different flavor from that yeah uh, so that's been for me on a personal level some shifting of thinking mm-hmm. uh, which has been fine yeah um my guess is that north side is going to have to deal with some of the same kinds of things that most existing churches are having to deal with yeah i do get the feel that there is a growing awareness that that's true. Mm-hmm. That's encouraging. Yeah. I remember dealing with the search committee years ago, and in the first conversation I had with them, their line to me was, well, we're looking for a pastor who will just allow us to be the way we are. We don't want to change anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good luck with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That, that ended our, yeah. our relationship <laughs> before it got started. <laughs> well, you talk about that, about people, you know, 
having to make that mind shift. And like Kevin said, we talked a lot about generations and a lot of times it's easy to kind of blame the older generation thing. Oh no. It has nothing to do with age. That's correct. I've caught myself in that sometimes too, because you know, I've grown up here. And so there are some things that I didn't realize that I had quite so much an attachment to because they're more sentimental to me Uh because I grew up with them. But I, you know, it's taken me some shifting and I, you know, I think I still hold the the record of youngest staff member. So, um, (laughs) but I I noticed that I struggle with that too, you know, and just making that mind shift that it's why we're doing what we're doing, not exactly how we're doing or what we're doing. It's it's why we're doing it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've I've known uh, 80 year olds, uh, just whatever we need to do. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm on board, you know? And then I've known 20 year olds that, well, that's the way I've always known it. Yeah. (laughs) We take ownership of things. Yeah. It has an upside, but it's better to hold things sort of lightly mm-hmm. and see where God's working now and go with that as opposed to just, well, we've always done it that way, so we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. I still find it a little bit interesting that people follow Jesus, study Jesus, learn about him, and still are shocked that they have to do something different in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've yet to figure out <laughs> where in VBS, Sunday school, youth group, adult seminary <laughs> that you heard somewhere along the way that Jesus is just going to make you only better and you're only going to get sweeter. But the thing is, you know, he, he changes our whole life. He messes with every inch of our life. Well, and some of that has to do with how the invitation to be a Christ follower is, is presented. Mm. If it's come to Jesus punch your ticket to heaven, you're good to go, and that's kind of it. Yeah. And if you kind of get interested in it and want to get more serious about it, great, but you've done what's important. Yeah. That was never the invitation of Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never. And once people begin to understand that becoming a follower of Jesus is a countercultural, radical, different way of living than the world, that messes with you. Yeah. And so one of the great axioms that I believe in is what you reach people with you reach them to. Mm. If you reach them with, come to church, we're going to do all this stuff for you. That's what their sense mm-hmm. of what church is about. Yeah. But if you reach them with, come join us on mission in the world to bring a bit more of the kingdom of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. That changes the whole thing. Yeah. I like that. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I love that that's very inclusive. Because Mm -hmm. to me, a lot of times in my past, whether it's different congregations and relationships that have been broken in the context of church, Mm. it doesn't always feel like a safe place. Yes, sometimes it isn't. Because of, you know, it's a club or it's maybe not intentionally that way, but people that have known each other, know each other, have really close relationships, but can tend to be exclusionary in that way. But what you're talking about is really an invitation to be relational. I'm a big proponent of trauma-informed care and a lot of different things, and I'm learning a lot about that. But if you don't feel safe in a setting, then that's going to impact pretty much everything that you think and do and whatever. And so how are we creating those safe relationships for people who are interested may have a you know a fertile soil ready for the seed but are just looking for a place they might even not know they're looking for that correct i think the place to start is the relationship that we have with god first mm-hmm. and as that is deepening it empowers us to have more redemptive relationships with people mm-hmm. uh, i think it was mother teresa who once told her group 
I may not quote this exactly right. We have too much to do not to spend the first hour of the day in prayer. Mm. Uh, because she realized <laughs> that the, the capacity to be able to give oneself to mm. others is only going to be available to you if you first given yourself fully to God. Well, and I think about it too, when you have a relationship with someone that's healthy, mm-hmm. in this case, a relationship with God, it brings a different sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. Because when you feel safe, your guard kind of comes down. You don't make it about yourself. Exactly. It is others focus. Yes, for the sake of others. And that is where we can take our relationship with God into all situations we find ourselves in. That is correct. It could be in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It could be, I like to think of little things like taking a cart that's in the middle of the parking lot that would hit someone's car. Yeah. Just taking it to the cart part. Yes. You know. Those little things, but it's that kind of awareness that changes lives and many times without you even being aware of it. Oh, absolutely. And so that's where a lot of power comes in. And that's goes circles back to the, the example you gave earlier where the life has been changed and it becomes appealing, something people want to find out about. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. What are some of your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not ministering um, I have enjoyed time to be able to work in the yard. Yeah. Not so much in the heat. <laughs> I really liked it in the spring more. Right. I used to like trading cars. Uh, yeah. uh, in our church in North Carolina, we had a, a church member who was a general manager at the dealership mm-hmm. and I could get a car right to, you know, $500 over, yeah. uh, you know, wholesale price. Yeah. So I, It'd be embarrassing if I told you how many cars I've bought and sold over the years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sounds like a future podcast episode. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Brian's cars. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. I like reading um, thriller novels. Okay. You know, so those are kind of fun. Cool. Cool. Well, one of my questions was about, because I like to read, I was going to ask, uh, who are some authors that you like to read? What are some book recommendations that you would give? Well, the author that's had the biggest impact on me is probably John Ortberg. Uh, And I know that his uh, more recent histories had some struggles, but that doesn't discount the depth and the value of the things he brings to the table in terms of trying to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, spiritual formation kinds of issues. Just He makes it very accessible, understandable, and yet profound at the same time. He's one person. Trevor Hudson is another author that I found uh, to be very powerful. Dallas Willard, mm-hmm. although you've got to have time <laughs> to read Dallas Willard because <laughs> it's true. It takes a while to go, no, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so that's another one. Bible study wise, I've always enjoyed uh, John Stott, who is uh, uh, deceased now, but he was an Anglican pastor. But uh, very gifted at exposition and being able to debate contrary viewpoints mm. graciously. Mm. And I re- always appreciate that. The Ortberg book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. That's a good one. Is one of my favorite books of Soul all. Keeping Soul is Keeping is good. probably my favorite one. Yeah. Or The Me I've Always Wanted to Be or something like that. I think that's the name of it. Yeah, I've always loved that story of Peter walking on water, and Ortberg does a good job with that whole story yes. and everything. And it's just, man, it is challenging yes, to get beyond. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good book. Well, cool. What kind of music? 
Besides Glenn Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good joke there. I got you. Um, well, strangely, I, I've always enjoyed choral music. Oh, okay. Uh, when Clella was the music pastor at our church, because we were, uh, due to financial things, a staff person down, mm-hmm. and we were trying to carry the educational work and the music ministry and the pastoral ministry with two of us, one of the jobs that I took on was uh, previewing choral music mm. that the choir might do. Yeah. Man, I love doing that. Oh, cool. Just being able to hear what was being produced, what was out there, and... So that still to today, you know, a great choral piece will really move my soul. I bet Ray would use all kinds of help getting ready for like deciding which <laughs> yeah. Christmas cantata to do. Yeah, one of the things I've, I've got to be careful about is making too many suggestions. Because yeah. <laughs> I got ideas, you know. Yeah. Uh, How difficult is it to be an interim? We had a young man come by the church the other day and I introduced him to you and I made the joke of, you know, he's an interim, but you know, he likes to do all this reading. <laughs> your, your office is bare. I mean, uh, there's no. nothing in there. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have all your tools maybe there because yeah. it is a short term. But have you ever done an interim position? No, this before? is the first time I've done that. So you may not know the answer fully. Well, to that you know, yet. I would flip <laughs> the question over. In some respects, it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody knows, well, he's not going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> So you have a little bit more permission, I think, to mm. address things that maybe would be more challenging sure. if you're going to be here permanently. And coming out of the congregation already, when people know me, you know, I had some relational capital built with mm-hmm. people, so yeah. that's that's yeah, helped yeah. a lot and given me already a sense of kind of the vibe of Northside. And so uh, people have been super affirming and encouraging mm-hmm. in this first month that I've been doing this. And it's been nice to be uh, back in that rhythm, mm. you know, coming in, preparing, and I enjoy the preaching and teaching piece enormously. Yeah. And yet I know that I have a, a sense that the season for full-time stuff, that season's over. Sure. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we sure do appreciate you taking the time and getting out of the dugout and coming up <laughs> onto the right. playing field with us once more. <laughs> we do appreciate that. So oh, yeah, it's been my honor. So we've had Brian with us today and um, he's going to be here serving with us as interim until that time period is over. And yeah. And we got some someone else that can uh, come and join the team full time, and yeah, so looking forward just, to that. Just thank you. Yeah, I yeah. think I think we're all looking forward to uh, kind of completing the package and moving forward yeah, here. Good days ahead. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm anticipating. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, that got a little deeper than I expected it to. So that's good, though. I threw it in the deep end. For no, that's, that was good. Those are good. I'm going to have to look up some of those authors. I didn't know all of those names. So, And I didn't know all of them. I knew a bunch of them, yeah. I thought you were going to say you had to look up some of those words he used. I wasn't sure. So. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I knew most of the actual words that he used. Good. It was nice to have Brian come down and do this. He was like, y'all, this is great. I want, you know, so he, he thought it was fun. He was ready to promote us. Yeah, he was trying to give us some marketing tips. Yeah, marketing tips on how he, to get it out to more people. So. He can be our tour manager. I'm totally down. <laughs>
<laughs> so yeah, it was fun. He did validate that we need a little more decoration in here, though. Yeah, uh, he did. <laughs> I like that he he called it institutional. That's the right descriptor for this room. <laughs> this makes it so perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, that was really funny, though. Well, we're glad to have Brian uh, helping us out, and uh, you know, it's nice to when you have people from the church family who have a certain set of skills, and they they, they were willing to use those yeah. and, mm-hmm. for well, a short term. Yeah. Well, I bet there are people that are listening that have a certain set of skills and a certain set of all kinds of wonderful gifts and talents. And Patrick, you probably have a list of things that are coming up that they could use those on. So what we got? Well, no matter what your skill set is, we are in the middle of green sheets right now. We kicked that off on Sunday. So make sure you pick up a green sheet or you uh, get on your app or get on the website and fill out those green sheets. We we always like to know where people want to plug in and what your skills are and like to be able to help you find your place. Now, weren't Scantrons green back in the day? Yes. What if we just had the little thing and you filled out a Scantron sheet and get this run it through the... I would probably actually prefer that. It might be triggering, though, for some Yeah, people. some people might have some flashbacks. And <laughs> I really rem- don't like the standardized test. I remember we uh, had Scantrons in high school, and you know there was only like one reader yeah. in the whole building. Yeah. Like, evidently, it was pretty expensive, probably. So if you were like a good enough kid, you could go grade the test by running them through the machine and then bring them back, and the teacher would tell you a grade. But yeah scantron sheets that, that made an appearance <laughs> when i was in high school See, i don't know i don't maybe we didn't have that brand because i thought i remembered like a purple one and some other colors now we had those in college maybe mm-hmm. that yeah. was it that had like a scantron and then had like a little book on the or just a yep. notebook paper in the back to write yep. for the essay questions yep. we had those in college yeah mm-hmm. But yeah, green sheets and Scantron, that'd be good. Purple was my color because of mimeograph sheets. Yeah. Ah. They smelled so good. (laughs) You're dating yourself. I am. (laughs) I am for sure. So green sheets are here. Yes. And then tomorrow, tomorrow is Wednesday and we kick off our uh, new Wednesday night lineup. Wow. Yes. So what is that? Five o'clock is dinner. And then 6.15 is activities for all ages. It's going to be youth, children, Bible studies, choir Choir. practice, which I've got to put in a plug for choir practice. Tomorrow, August 9th, they're going to start practicing for the Christmas cantata. Mm. So if you have a passion for singing or if you just, you know, like to make a joyful noise, you can join the choir. No experience needed. You can contact Ray if you have any questions, but they're going to kick that off. Those choir practices are going to be at 6.15 on Wednesday nights. So if you want to sing in the Christmas cantata with the choir, then go to the sanctuary at 6.15. On Wednesday nights, is there an ending time or is it just... No, just whenever... uh, Well, I will tell you that we really want you to come pick up your youth about 7.30. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I think... So around 7.30 would be perfect time to end your youth time. (laughs) Got it. Yeah, we're putting a start time on it, but I don't think we're putting a hard end time on anything. So if, you know, people want to keep going, I think because especially with the Christmas cantata, Ray may may keep people longer, so uh, <laughs> require practice. What if I can't sing really good, but I'm a really good beatboxer? Do you think they need? I, I'm sure he will find year? a place for you. You know, we have fun. an opening. I can uh, plug you into. <laughs> I know of an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Sunday, August 13th, coming up, Brian's like he mentioned earlier is going to start his new series, Jesus Shaped People. So that'll be good. Also on August 13th at 10 a.m. in the Hope Hall Kitchen serving area, we're going to do coffee with the pastors. So if you're new to Northside or if you've been visiting for a while or you just want to get to have a little meet and greet with the with the pastors, get to know them a little better, let them get to know you a little bit better, that's going to be 10 o'clock a.m. in the Hope Hall Kitchen serving area. 
And then next week on the podcast, we're going to have the one and only Millie Hayes on with us to Millie share her. Ha- Millie who? Millie Hayes. I know Millie Cagle, but I don't know Millie Hayes. It's the same person. What? Is she related to that? Isn't there a country singer? Hayes. Hunter Hayes. Hunter yep. Hayes. I'm sure they're they're related. Oh, I think she's a cousin to Millie Vanilli. Oh, or what about what about Camille? (laughs) Nobody knows who Camille is. That's Tennille, Tony and Tennille. Oh, Tennille, Tony and Camille. (laughs) Oh, Camille was like her Chris Gaines. Yes, that's a that's her uh, that's her pop side project. Yes, you know when we talked about Chris Gaines a while back, I I went back in on that rabbit. No, you did not. I did. Garth Brooks is, and I did not remember. The VH1 mockumentary about Chris. Gaines. Oh, really? Did you see that? I don't. Re- I remember I, it being the whole a thing. VH1 behind the music, but I don't thing. think I ever watched I it. I don't think I have mentioned to you guys. I think I may have told y'all we had several folks listen to the the summer playlist, uh, playlist. the summer playlist, and several people were talking about it, saying, "Hey, thanks for putting that," and then sending in some suggestions about which ones they needed to add and different things. Okay. I thought it was really funny. So, thanks for uh, the comments on the uh, the playlist, the summertime playlist. It was really fun. Hope we didn't miss your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Might have been a Chris Gaines on there. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, tangent aside, <laughs> next week we're going to have Millie Hayes uh, on the podcast uh, to tell us her life story. So, guys, thanks for podcasting with me. Sure. Thanks to all of you out there in the world for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Northside Now Podcast. Go to our website, northsidejackson.com, or email us at podcast at northsidejackson.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Once again, this is Patrick. This is Glenn. I'm Kevin. And that's what's happening at Northside Now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.